Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This episode of The Brand is Female is brought to you by the University of Toronto and Rotman School of Management's one-year executive MBA program. In only 13 months, you can earn your MBA outside of regular working hours, which means you can keep succeeding in the workplace while directly applying your new skills for immediate impact. With more people coming back to the office, now's a great time to stand out at your place of work with impressive business acumen, leadership, and strategic skills. The Rotman School is committed to gender equity and is supportive in their aim to elevate female leaders. You won't be on your own. Executive MBA participants benefit from Rotman's excellent reputation, top faculty, and a strong network for life. They also get best-in-class leadership development and career services, including career support after graduation. Apply now to start in fall 2022 for your chance to be selected for a generous merit-based entrance award. Visit the website to find out about the program and sign up for a webinar to learn more. Visit www.rotmanemba.com. That's R-O-T-M-A-N-E-M-B-A.com. This week, my guest is Emily Silverman, who launched Arnold Street Media, fueled by her industry expertise and the opportunity she saw ahead. She recognized a growing need for commercial creative content in an ever-evolving digital space, and she paired her talents in digital media with business development. With that, Arnold Street Media began an impressive journey towards expansion and growth. As a CEO, Emily has and continues to mentor women to achieve success in business. Here is our conversation. Emily, it's such a pleasure welcoming you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited. I like to start these conversations by asking you to go back in time and uh, thinking about when you were growing up as a little girl, what did you imagine you'd do for a career later in life? And was it you know, remotely close to what you're actually doing today? Or was it a completely different industry or a completely different profession? Um, so yeah, that's, that's funny because how we got here, it's sort of, it happened almost by accident. And so I would say that as a child, would I have thought that I would be owning a digital marketing agency? Um, (laughs) (laughs) didn't even exist back then. Yeah. Did I even, yeah, exactly. Did we even know what the internet was? Um, yeah, no, I think that I would have man, you know, I'm not sure at a, at a young age that I even thought about stuff like this. I think I was more, I was a dreamer, super creative, um, really into the arts. So I would have probably hoped that I would end up in a creative role, but no, I, I think that I, I, you know, I have really academic parents uh, mm-hmm. that are quite traditional. They're like super, super cool, a little bit hippie, quirky, but also, um, very academic. My mom was in um, the the um, education space, working in several roles, um, and and uh, ending her career as a, a vice principal. My father's a lawyer. I think mm-hmm. that I probably would have 
thought that I would end up somewhere in there. You know, when you're a kid, you always think you're going to be just like your parents. Yeah, like your parents. Of exactly. Course, so, um, no, I wouldn't have necessarily guessed this, but I, looking back, I can certainly see how certain steps got me here and mm-hmm. how without one of those sort of like very pivotal moments, the next wouldn't have occurred. So it's actually right. a very cool uh, chain of events that that got me to this point. But uh, no, I wouldn't say that I, I would have had any kind of clue that this would be where I'd end up. <laughs> So tell me about how you got there. What kind of studies did you pursue? And did you still think you were going to be an academic of some sort? So tell me a bit about kind of your, you know, the first steps to uh, to you becoming to an entrepreneur. Journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when I was in school, it was a really sort of like love-hate relationship for me in uh, like primary years because... I was super creative, loved people, Mm. loved Mm -hmm. going to school for my friends and for art classes. Anything that was uh, remotely creative, I was all in. Anything like math, science, I was so bored that I really couldn't even deal. And um, I, I used to think a lot about kind of what was going to happen after high school because it had been put in my brain, you know, you must go to school, get good grades, go to university, marriage, children, you know, life blueprint. And, mm. uh, and so I knew I, I had to go to university. It wasn't an option that had been put mm-hmm. inside me. And I knew that had to happen. But what I found was in university, I was in sort of these academic classes. I was super bored and had to <laughs> really push myself to try to get those good grades, which sometimes mm-hmm. I did. And sometimes I didn't. And, uh, but in my art classes, and specifically digital digital art, or which was back then very basic, but sort of coming into play, um, I would and drawing, painting. I always was finding myself more uh, more interested. And then I uh, started in photography in high school, and that kind of changed my whole life. And really, we would not be here right now mm-hmm. having this conversation if I had never uh, developed an interest in photography. So basically what happened back then was we had a dark room in our high school and I learned how to develop my own photos, develop my own film, and I got really into it and I became sort of like obsessed. And my high school uh, photography teacher really inspired me and really pushed me to just keep going. And so it became the kind of thing that I was going into school early, like 7 a.m. to use the dark room, shooting on weekends, mm-hmm. evenings, uh, literally so excited to go to school just so I could do this. And um, choosing classes that were more creative as I was going into my later years of high school because I found them a little bit easier and I could spend more time in the dark room. And uh, when I finally did graduate, I had applied to several different universities in, you know, I, I was still thinking that I need should be an academic, that I should have like a more traditional career. So I did apply to kind of like all the universities in different areas, but I also applied to Ryerson for image arts, which was at the time a program for uh, film photography and new media. And it this was back in the early kind of 2000s when digital was just, just starting. And, uh, 
I put together a really beautiful portfolio and I worked my butt off for it. And I decided that I was going to, as well as these other universities, kind of really push to get into this very prestigious uh, photography and and media program at Ryerson. And uh, I did get into, to all, I think, every one of the universities I applied to, except for one, because I didn't know there was a test and I just didn't do it. But um, I, I got into Ryerson for image arts and that seemed kind of like the best of both worlds because it was university, it was um, a reputable program, and it meant that I was going to get to go and do what I love every single day. Um, mm-hmm. Did I think that it would, it, did I know what would come next from that? Absolutely not. I just knew that if I was going to university, I wanted to do something that was going to be really fun. <laughs> and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so that's sort of the very first step to what got me here, really. It's what came next that was kind of crazy. The 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 journey that actually brought me to building this business is a whole other story, but yeah, so let's let's talk about that because it's a it's a leap from having an interest in all things creative and uh, you know having a passion and interest in something and it's not necessarily obvious for most people um, that they'll want to turn that into a business and be their own boss. So tell me a bit about what lit the entrepreneurial spirit for you. And I'm also curious to know if you had any role models along the way and, and specifically were there any women who were a source of inspiration uh, around you in your community. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, firstly, uh, from the the portion of the story that we're at, definitely my high school photography teacher, Miss Herman Landau. I haven't seen her in years, <laughs> but she was amazing because, you know, she pushed me so hard and not to brag, but I did get 100% in my grade 12 <laughs> photography, <laughs> which probably helped me get into all those university programs. But um no, she was amazing and really supportive. And, um, you know, I, I will say also my mother who is my biggest cheerleader of life and has always, even though she's super academic and, and, and with my parents are traditional, she has always encouraged us to pursue, um, our sort of, and guide, be guided by our heart and really she celebrates every little win. She is so excited with anything I tell her ever guaranteed. She's going to want to celebrate this podcast because she is just, you know, the, my biggest fan. And so she's been an, an, an amazing role model for me. And, uh, my next role, my next, uh, female role model that I really feel if she had not been in my life th- again, I wouldn't, even be here is, um, was my boss at my, uh, part. Well, it was a full-time part-time job while I was in university. And, uh, so, so when I was in university at Ryerson, I was doing all of this awesome photography stuff at school, learning also about, um, you know, digital, uh, digital media as it was back in the early 2000s. I was taking Photoshop courses and learning about video editing and all 
all of these sort of like communications related things. And I, because of my obsession with photography, I was trying to land a job at the Sears Portrait Studio. I don't know if you oh, remember wow. the Sears <laughs> Portrait Studio. Um, and there was one kind of in the mall near my house. And so I had gone in and shown them my portfolio and told them that I worked, went to Ryerson and like begged them for a job essentially. And I did get a job as assistant manager there. And I worked there throughout my entire um, four years of university. And that, I have to say, was probably one of the, the best times of my whole life. I It kind of married all of the things I love because I was basically chatting people up all day and making them laugh because, mm -hmm. you know, that's, I, that's, that's basically what's going on there. You know, the people are coming in one after another for photos, kids, babies, everything. And, uh, what was what was really awesome about that time was that that's when everything was just shifting over to um, to digital. So digital cameras were like not even a thing really yet. And so just as I was really getting into it there, we um, switched over to digital and I was able to have so much more creativity with the photography. And my boss, Lucy, who was really like the most amazing boss, honestly, that I think I've ever had. And she was so, so encouraging. She was so proud of me. And I could just see that she was really inspired by my work. And at the time, she was married to, or she still is, <laughs> she's married to uh, a professional photographer who mm -hmm. was a uh, sort of like jack of all trades, but shot a lot of weddings, shot a lot of events, seasoned photographer. And she always used to say to me, I want you to meet my husband. I think that, you know, you could probably do some shoots with him and he could teach you so much and he can help you buy your first digital camera. And she used to have me over for dinner and all these things. And it was just this like amazing uh, she was amazing support to me and she introduced me to her husband and he brought me to buy my first digital camera and showed me all the lenses I needed and sort of like taught mm. me how to use it. And they had a side business shooting events, um, sporting events and weddings and whatnot. And one time, and I promise I'm getting somewhere <laughs> with this. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I'm I'm following along. <laughs> well, what's really funny is that we're just talking about photography and I own a marketing agency. So it's like, how are we going to get there? But I promise. So um, anyway, we went on this shoot and I was feel and they, and I was so excited and they were like pumping me up so much. And I was also really excited because I remember they were paying me really well. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And uh and we go to the shoot and I'm shooting all day. And then I go home and I plug the card in and I was, you know, just getting used to digital. And I had just done a terrible job, like terrible. The lighting was awful. You could barely see the people. And um, it was like a disaster. And uh, no, no. I remember Lucy's husband, Isaac, saying to me, well, listen, you know, Photoshop, you learned it in school. You have to go fix this. Like we cannot, we can't give these pictures to these people. You have to go fix it. And so I made it my mission in that moment to learn Photoshop inside out myself, just taught it to myself so that I could fix this major mistake <laughs> that I had made. And it's funny because that's almost, you know, that has, 
has shown up that same sort of like metaphor has shown up again and again, because it's really awesome to kind of make mistakes as long as you can learn valuable lessons and apply that kind of to the next thing. Right. So mm-hmm. truly making that massive mistake was what p- brought me to the kind of media world because what happened when I fixed that project and it was fine and everybody was happy and we continued on was that I discovered that I was really good at Photoshop. And <laughs> I, when I graduated Ryerson, I thought, okay, well, I have to go make money. I don't think being a freelance photographer is enough. And at that time, of course, I had left, uh, left Sears, but I had been there for so many years and I had so many clients that I was extremely close to that they all wanted to stay with me even when I left. So I started a Mm -hmm. little sort of like freelance photography thing on the side and I was shooting families, babies, weddings, that kind of thing. But I really wanted a career. I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to have that corporate experience And Mm -hmm. so I started applying for jobs where I could be a Photoshop editor and an image editor and work um, on production teams. And so that's what got my foot in the door. And should I I just keep going? Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Well, and... I mean, and maybe I'm I'm sensing or I'm I'm understanding where you know where the spark came from, mm-hmm. and then what led you to open your your full fledged agency and you know and hire a team. Did that happen uh, kind of organically? Um, I'd love to know where where you got to the point where you are today, basically. Yeah, for sure. I will I will tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was. Um, At this point, I was hired as an image editor, super entry-level job uh, at a rich media distribution company, and my responsibility was to be editing uh, images, virtual tours um, for hotels and resorts around the world, and I was part of a production team. And that was extremely exciting for me. I was just so glad, like I said, to get my foot in the door. And the whole time that I was working there, I was also still running a photography company. So I was doing my own marketing. I was doing uh, tons of sales and just kind of learning how to build a business. But it was small and there was never, it was always just something I did because I was very passionate about it. And I felt like a real high being involved in these shoots and being creative and being able to kind of like chat with these people and build relationships with them. But I was also super happy to have my corporate job and experience that. And uh, basically what happened there was that I was just getting better and better. I was kind of bringing my skills of management from my kind of side hustle into my, my work And what happened was within two years, I had gone from being an image editor for the production department to managing the whole production department. And it was just me and, uh, you know, uh, me running essentially shoots and video shoots, photo shoots, virtual tours, production, uh, scheduling, management all over the world and working with a team of freelancers worldwide as well as a team in-house. And that was an incredible responsibility for a 25-year-old. It was Mm -hmm. so scary, but I loved it. And I did stay at that company for eight years, I think. Wow. And yeah, it was, I, I loved every single minute of working there. I had 
an amazing team. I had so many close friends. I had a wonderful, supportive boss. I had, you know, everything, everything about that role was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was just that as I was working there, I also had built a whole side hustle that was doing really well. And I was working, I was working there, working outside of, of work all the time on my shoots, editing. And I had sort of, I was working weekends. It was just kind of crazy. And I had, by the time I was 29, I had kind of realized that I'm really good at being my own boss. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I yeah. also <laughs> felt like, yeah, like I, I just knew that the thrill that I get out of those relationships that I cultivate um, with clients was something that Mm -hmm. I wasn't really getting in my day job. And also I felt like I had kind of hit the max. Production wasn't really where where this company was moving. They were moving more as the digital landscape was transforming. So was this company and they were moving more into digital marketing and SEO and web. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. there yet. So I, um, I decided that I was going to quit and um, travel the world or travel Asia and figure my life out basically. And yeah, a normal reaction. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, um, I don't know how to leave this company because I've been here so long. So the only way I can leave is with like a real bang. I have to have like a real purpose and just finding a new job didn't even make sense at that time. It was just like, Mm -hmm. I need to completely leave this in every way. And it just so happens that I had just at that time gotten married. And so, um, perfect time to take a honeymoon. And so at the time, uh, packed everything up, left everything behind and went to Southeast Asia and other parts of Asia and, uh, in Nepal for six months. And during that time, and this is where I really feel this is the most kind of like transformative moment of my life and that we would not Mm -hmm. truly be here without it is that I was finding it really hard while I was in Asia to think about what my next steps were. I found that Mm -hmm. instead of enjoying the present, I was thinking so much of what's going to happen when I get back. I don't have a job. Where am I going to work? What if I don't get hired? What if I don't understand the industry anymore because I was at the same job for so long? What if my clients disappear? You know, like all of these crazy thoughts and Mm -hmm. thinking truly about what's the next step. And I was sitting, I think I was in Thailand and I was sitting at the base of a, um, of a beautiful temple or, and, uh, I had my camera around my neck and I had had my camera insured before we left And I'm sitting there about to take a picture and I stand up and I guess my camera was not around my neck and it went flying from my neck and basically exploded into smithereens. And I was absolutely gutted and I totally freaked out. And then I went through this process where I had to figure out how to replace my camera and contacting insurance and whatnot. And uh, anyway, by the time I got to Vietnam, they had given me, the insurance company had given me money to buy a new camera and lens. And it was in Vietnam, a lot of money to like, it it could get me a very, very good camera. It could actually get me a better camera Mm -hmm. than I had. 
And I bought this beautiful new camera. And from the second I picked up this camera, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. It was like my whole body changed. I felt this buzz run through me. I cannot even explain it. It was out of body experience where I just had this feeling in this moment of, I am never going to work for anyone else again. I am only going to work for myself and I Mm -hmm. am going to build a of a successful business. And it happened in that moment. And from there, there were still five months left of that trip. And I spent that entire time planning, strategizing, um, speaking to people, making connections. And by the time we landed back in Toronto, I had a full business plan. I had a full team of freelancers that I was going to use. And I had funding. (laughs) And so I started Arnold Street Media, which was at the time just a media production company, um, the second I stepped foot off the plane to Toronto in 2015. Wonderful. I love that you can pinpoint back the exact moment where you made that decision, you know, to, to that time. Uh, this, is, this is wonderful. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance to give to women in business. This episode of The Brand is Female is brought to you by the University of Toronto and Rotman School of Management's one-year executive MBA. With people coming back to the office, now is a great time to deepen your business acumen, leadership, and strategic skills while you continue in your job. To find out more about the 13-month program, sign up for the online Fireside Chat series featuring female graduates on May 12th and June 2nd. Visit the website to learn more about the program and sign up for the chats, rotmanemba.com. That's R-O-T-M-A-N-E-M-B-A.com. So you started your own business and we all know sometimes there's a a gap between what we dream our our business venture to be and then the reality of building it and confronting mm-hmm. you know the obstacles the challenges that typically come with being an entrepreneur so how were how were the first few years and were there any obstacles that maybe you hadn't foreseen at all oh yeah <laughs> yeah definitely Usually, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think the 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 part that was the most difficult there were there were a few parts but i think the most challenging one was something a little more personal actually which was something that i it, it was something that i discovered within myself when building the company so when i first started i wanted to be successful in this i never ever anticipated that it would become big that I would be, you know, that, that it would be anything outside of what I was used to as a freelancer, because that's all I Mm -hmm. knew is I knew working with some clients, making some money and 
the only change that I was truly making to this venture, uh, you know, compared to my last one is that I wanted to work with businesses and not with people for their personal shoots, you know, personal like weddings and engagements. I wanted something more corporate and I really hadn't planned that I, it would, it would grow to, to where it's at. And, and at that time, I remember thinking, okay, I've started a business and I just need to make enough to survive. I, at the time had planned on having kids and I thought, mm-hmm. okay, well, I need to make enough money that I can like, you know, pay my, my half of the mortgage essentially. And, uh, and then I'll be able to, once this gets moving, I'll be able to run this company, have some, you know, have some productions, have a few clients, raise my kids. That was mm-hmm. literally the thinking that I had in that moment. And I remember <clears throat> at the time, my husband saying, in order to, for us to make this work truly, you need to bring in $2,000 a month. And I remember thinking at the beginning, oh my God, how on earth am I going to guarantee $2,000 a month when we're just starting out and we don't have any clients yet? And I remember thinking that number was so scary, which is funny. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but uh Within about, you know, when we started, we were just offering media production services, but quickly because this was at the time when digital was taking over and uh, digital marketing specifically was was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, media production is amazing. Photo, video is great, but it will for companies that need more or don't know how to then market themselves with this content. Um, Mm -hmm. we were trying to find solutions. So within the first year, it went from media production to media production and content marketing. So offering Mm -hmm. social media marketing and management, um, content writing for social, content writing for blogs, content writing for websites, and then design and development of websites. And I knew all the right people. I have a creative background, so it was easy. And it was easy for me to learn all about digital marketing because I had already experienced marketing for myself in my old uh, freelance gig. I had already experienced this at the media company I was working for. And now that I was building my own company, I was applying everything I was learning about digital marketing into my own business, A-B testing there, and then seeing how we could grow, how we were bringing in leads, how that was all working together. So I was then just kind of like taking those strategies and applying and applying them into my clients. So within a couple of years, we had become a full service creative agency as well as some digital marketing. And then I kind of started partnering with a couple other agencies that did other things like SEO, PPC. And so now within two years, it was a end-to-end 360 digital marketing agency inclusive of a full Mm -hmm. creative studio. And what happened there in me when I said it, it, it was personal is that it was very hard for me to realize a couple years in that I am not that traditional person with that traditional life blueprint. And Mm -hmm. I found myself putting my heart and soul and all of my energy, dreams, desires into the company 
It was my biggest, truest pride and joy. I am so passionate about what we do and about building this and about helping other people build their dreams. And Mm -hmm. I found that I had sort of like planned a little differently than it actually ended up. Um, So, so yeah. And, and then I would say that from there, it was pretty smooth sailing growing slowly over the years. Um, By our fifth year or fourth year, I was, I had um, five full-time employees. It was me and five full-time employees. And then we worked with a bunch of contractors and freelancers that we would bring in on specific projects. And that was, you know, really nice and cool. And then we hit the pandemic. (laughs) And so (laughs) (laughs) that kind of absolutely rattled my world because in the first couple, in the first month, I would say it was a little bit scary because we lost a lot of media production that we were still doing at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. We had had some really cool uh, work that we had been doing, like anything on the production side completely halted. And I got really scared that this was it. But what had happened at that time was, of course, all of these businesses that are, you know, either brick and mortar retailers or who just haven't had a strong web presence or had all this extra time now or budget because they weren't running events. So they could put it towards digital marketing initiatives. They just all started coming out of the woodwork. And um, fast forward to now, we are, we went from five full-time and myself to myself and 20 full-time and still growing. We are also still working with several freelancers and contractors, but our core team is just over 20 people and hiring for, we cannot hire fast enough for the amount of work that comes in. And this has now become a very, very busy, high intensity, um, just crazy (laughs) um agency that that has grown so rapidly that it's just absolutely you know blows my mind and uh the the biggest growth came with the pandemic which is really interesting because a lot of businesses were the complete opposite and for me I was scrambling just to keep my my head above water during that time and and still continue to so it that's sort of like the full progression of what has brought us to today that that's great to hear and congratulations on on the success you achieve and you know getting through the obstacles and challenges including a a pandemic um so what would be your advice and it's 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 fascinating thank you for sharing you know the personal story that went along with the business story Uh, and i think often we kind of tend to gloss over the details of how our lives are affected as a result of certain choices we're making as entrepreneurs Based on that, what would be your advice to young women who are uh, starting a, a business and and trying to you know find that balance between um, a personal and and I hate the word balance because I think that we can never fully achieve that. Um, mm-hmm. I think the myth of work life balance is indeed that a myth, but we can strive for you know being grounded or or having different phases in our life where we can dedicate more time to one thing or another and somehow making it work. So based on that, what would be your advice for young women thinking of starting a business and wondering about how to juggle it all? Well, um, 
I think that in terms of, of advice that I would give it, it, well, it's kind of a two-parter because in terms of work-life balance, regardless of if you are, if you are taking care of children or whatever it is, whatever you're doing basically outside of work as an entrepreneur, it is very, very hard to balance, I think. Mm-hmm. And and the reason for that is not because you're so overwhelmingly busy, which can happen and you want that to happen as an entrepreneur. You're 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 living for that, right? Like you want mm-hmm. to be busy, you want to be successful. But I think that the reason why it's hard to establish balance is because truly it is when you care so much about something that you want to literally start it yourself and run it from the ground up. Mm-hmm. That passion is, it drives you so hard that it's it it can take over and it can be so exciting and so all-encompassing that being able to think about the other stuff sometimes can be challenging because the mm-hmm. success of your business even the little wins are so personal and so incredibly rewarding. And so, I mean, I can think back to over the years, I remember thinking that I didn't even care about weekends because every day to me felt exciting and amazing that I wasn't just, you know, pushing for the weekend. So uh, my, my advice to a young woman wanting to start a business would be 100% do it and push and don't, you know, don't be scared if you are rejected, just keep pushing. And Mm -hmm. I I have noticed that over the years with every aspect, not just with work, that consistency is key. If you give up something too quickly, you'll never really know what could have happened. And if you have a dream, push it because it is 100 million percent possible But in terms of work-life balance, I would say that it is also important to set boundaries and set them early because Mm -hmm. I would say that some of my regrets would be that I didn't set some boundaries early on and now expectations have been set. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I have to manage that and I am working on that, (laughs) but, um, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm working on that too. (laughs) It's hard because again, like when you, when you have your own business, everything is so important. Everything is urgent. Everything you want to please everybody. You never want to say no. And it's, it's out of this feeling of just being so freaking passionate about what you're doing that you, it, you put other people before yourself. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it's just super important to stay grounded. I have worked with many women and I have women on my team who have families and balance both. I think they're absolute superheroes and I am so, so impressed by it, but, um, I think it's absolutely doable and I'm all for, uh, women leaders. <laughs> And, and thank you for saying that. And I think it's ultimately we find our flow, right? It's right. we do, there, there are tough lessons that can have something to do with personal life along the way, but things fall into place. So just like you said, and, and, you know, I'm happy you found a partner who's supportive. It's sometimes we have to go through something that's not going to work. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's optimizing. And then I find what, you know, what is meant for us will show up. Um, 
what would you say is your definition of leadership? You have a team now. It's, you know, it's not just you putting in the hours. You're leading a team yeah. that's growing. You are a woman at the helm of your business. So what does leadership mean for you? You know, I think that uh, the way I treat leadership might be a little bit different than how others do. And for me, it's it truly is. And if you were to ask anyone on my team, and I do have to say that I have an incredible team. I am super lucky to have such a strong uh team, mostly women, by the way, I should say, uh, not specifically by choice, but it did end up that way. And I would say we're about 80% women and the, my team, I just, every single person on my team is incredible. And I, uh, I really have developed a relationship with each and every one of them. And I, I love that they support my company, that they are supporting me, that they are representing ASM every single day. Um, I am right there in the trenches with them. So my leadership style is a little bit different. I don't, I of course am there to support and guide and I do, but I also will work on projects with them. I will never, you know, if there's a late night, I will never leave them to it alone. I will always be there with them. I believe very strongly that I have to lead by example And mm -hmm. I really do believe that a company is only as good as its leader. And I need to show my team um, that I am there for them. And in doing so, I have found that they are committed and loyal and work their asses off for me. And I love them for that. So I would say that, um, you know, leadership can also be really hard, especially when you scale and grow so quickly. Um, there are a lot more especially when you scale and grow quickly during a pandemic, because not only are you dealing with mm. growing in a virtual space where people are joining your team that have never even met you in person. Now we have, but at the start we didn't. And, uh, but also just dealing with the emotions and, you know, mental health during the pandemic, because everyone is feeling crappy Nobody is like themselves right now. Uh, emotions are everywhere, you know, and we're all here working together, trying to build these incredible, incredible things. And uh, yeah, I think it's really important for a team to know that they have a leader that is there to support, but it can also be challenging when you're navigating all of these, all of these things and building a team that is growing so fast, training people uh, over and over again, having people learning from other new people, it can be a challenge. So we are working super hard. Um, I can see the team getting bigger and better every single day. And um, I do really try to be part of as much as I physically can with them, because I think it's important that for them to learn, learn from me. And how, how do you support, you know, the next generation of uh, women, women wanting to become entrepreneurs, want, but women also part of your team? How, how are you a champion for women uh, inside and outside your organization? And at, at the same time, what's your advice for other women entrepreneurs or even, you know, women managers and leaders in, uh, in, in any industry? Um, to offer support for the next generation and, and never mind the next generation, just women who just are now. also making their way. Yeah, exactly. 
So I think that one of, I can say honestly that in the last eight years since I have been running this agency, I have met honestly some of the brightest, um, most creative, articulate, incredible women leaders, uh, whether they are entrepreneurs that are my clients or they are mm-hmm. women that I've worked with through kind of partnering with other agencies and uh, or even just through networking. It has been so inspirational for me. And, and some of these women are 10 years younger than me and they mm-hmm. absolutely blow my mind and with their innovation, innovative thinking and just the drive to be a boss. And I don't mean literally be like a physical boss. I mean, just be badass because mm-hmm. I have, I, so w- at our company, we work with sort of like three different types of businesses. We work with big companies that are established and have a marketing budget and then come to us for digital marketing solutions. We work with big agencies that outsource to us because we are still considered to be kind of boutique. Right. And then we work with startups and entrepreneurs And a lot of these startups that we work with, we help them from the ground up. We will help them Mm -hmm. with their whole brand identity, with their their product, naming all the way to website, everything, their their full, full strategy. And so we are involved with some of these entrepreneurs from day one. And a lot of them, a lot of, I guess, maybe I choose, choose this, but a lot of the entrepreneurs and startups that we're working with are the most intelligent, incredible women that I have ever met. And I am so Mm. inspired by them. And the conversations that I have with some of my clients who are, you know, I love speaking to other entrepreneurs because I feel like sometimes it's really hard to be understood. And that unless you're kind of in it, you know, if you know, you know, kind of thing. So when I'm, so I get, I get really excited when I'm speaking to other entrepreneurs because we can bond over, over everything. And, uh, and I find that with these women that I have met just from working with them here, um, I'm just blown away. The conversations that we can have are insightful and deep. I love seeing their excitement and drive and I encourage that in them. Um, I love being a sounding board and what I've found uh, when, when they're having issues. And I found that I have been even, even been able to open up to some of them as well about entrepreneurial issues or, you know, share my story. I often in client conversations will share bits and pieces of how I built my business and how I'm applying that to theirs so that they can really understand and see where we're coming from. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and and the same with the women I've met through partnerships with other other agencies, or if we've um, are work, working with a marketing manager at a company, these women are just so incredibly strong. And I have seen them over the last few years, the ones that I've been working with for a while, just absolutely kill it. And a lot of them are very you know, in very senior executive roles now, and I'm not surprised. And I you know learn and grow from every single one of these women. 
that's wonderful to hear. And I, I echo what you shared, um, in building your company in, you know, getting through the different phases of growth. And I know you, you've talked now about, you know, hiring employees. We all know there's different areas that we need to invest in as entrepreneurs and we need to be specialists kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, not just in, in, in what we do in our main industry, but also be HR specialists and tech Mm -hmm. specialists and Mm -hmm. IT and so on. Um, what would you say, you know, what kind of external allies do you rely on? And I think these are conversations that, uh, you know, I've been having with women entrepreneurs on the show about that, the necessity to build that support network, because as women, I think we often feel like we can do it all and we can figure it out on our yeah. own, but you know, we do need the support, uh, of, of experts or allies or partners. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, I feel, you know, when starting the business, I certainly didn't even realize that I was going to have to think about these kind of things. I didn't realize, you know, until you're kind of in it, you don't know how how it can feel to be, you know, managing payroll, to be managing HR issues. And um, as we've grown, it has become something that is completely out of my wheelhouse, Um I, as I mentioned, math is not my forte. Uh, we do have an accounting manager that I've hired, but I also find that, um, but you know, my best friend is in finance at TD and she is so helpful with me. And I love just talking to her and bouncing ideas off her. She's a, in a senior role and she really gives me incredible guidance, uh, that helps me to make some big decisions. And, uh, over the years, what I've been doing, sort of my business model and the way that we've been able to scale is that whenever our business grows, I reinvest into the business and I reinvest into highly specialized individuals. So if we get a couple new clients, I right away will hire, you know, I always have my list of the big hires I want and they're always highly specialized. So as we grow, we'll be able to bring in more and more specialists that can handle some of those verticals of the business that I might not necessarily uh, be the best person for. Not to mention the fact that my, uh, you know, I want to be able to spend my time as, as we grow and we get bigger, I still want to be able to get that same passion and same high from owning the business that I had back when I was a child and I was, you're, you know, like in high school shooting or when I was doing my photography business or when I was, you know, an image editor, like any, I've always gotten this like crazy high from the work that I do. And I wouldn't want that to go away because I was placing efforts somewhere that where I really wasn't needed. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's when you do reach out, you know, to experts, to specialists, Mm to, um, independents that can help and partner with you. And I'm big on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, great advice. And it's an ever learning, you know, process. It's, it's, it's a process where we learn forever, basically. Oh yeah. Oh, I learned something new every single day. I, you know, every day is is like an adventure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and my favorite question to ask guests on the show, what's one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish women would do less of? So I, I will speak to, you know, how I see this in my current day to day with my employees and the women in my life that I speak to regularly and, and also myself, which, you know, is that 
I think that we can shy away from things that scare us. And I don't know if this is a confidence thing or if it's just, you know, a, uh, being, you know, scared to step out of your comfort zone. But what I have found is that when in the past, when something scary would happen or something scary would come up in business or, you know, something where I, I didn't feel confident, I didn't feel I was qualified, something like that, my first reaction was always to shy away. And what I have realized now is that, and what I, how I've been applying this to my life in the past several years is that when something is scary, even if it's terrifying, I am on it. And I will Mm -hmm. force myself through it, even if it's painful. And you know what? Even, you know, when I was asked to be on this podcast, that was scary. I didn't know if I wanted to have, you know, if if anyone would even care to listen to anything I have to (laughs) say, you know? And I thought, that's scary. I'm going to be speaking about myself and my business, which is my most personal, most... Uh, valued, treasured thing. And uh, Mm -hmm. that was terrifying. And here we are, you know, so I would say to, you know, something I'd love to see more of from women in general is just to have that confidence to do really, really scary things. Because if, and what I always say to my team, I'm sure any one of my, my uh, employees could tell you this, the worst, like the absolute worst that could happen is never that bad. But yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. Can, it is never that bad. I will always say, they'll say to me, well, I was worried about this. And I'll say, and what? And so what? What's the worst that can happen? I tell you, you were wrong. The client yeah. is angry for a second, you know, and yeah. then they're like, no, you're right. And and the truth is that I think um, having the confidence to trust your gut truly and to push yourself beyond boundaries, you might make a mistake, but the reward will be so much higher. The, 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 uh, shoot, I lost my word. Sorry. (laughs) Um, yeah, so it, it might be scary, but the rewarding feeling of being able to achieve something that scared you is so much bigger than that. So that to me is something that I wish I'd see more of. And just in terms of less of is I do see so a lot of kind of like second guessing and we all do it. I think everybody has some level of imposter syndrome where they don't trust that they are the expert, even though deep down they know they are, but there's just that little voice. And I, I, it's so sad because I do see it more in women than men. And mm-hmm. maybe men are just putting on a front, <laughs> you know, but I, I find that I'm often encouraging the women in my life to trust their gut, uh, you know, believe in themselves, stop second guessing. You're not wrong. And if you are wrong, it doesn't matter. So I feel like these two answers are very much the same because I think it's so, so important in as a woman leader or just like as a woman in business, trust yourself. You are the expert. You're in this role because people believe in you and anything you're thinking in your mind is probably right. So just say it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great way to answer those questions. Um, Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to 
uh, hear more about your journey, how you got to where you are. Congratulations on what you've achieved. I'm excited to see what you do next. And thank you for making time today. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, I'm so happy to be here. Well, let's stay in touch and I want to see where you go next and we can, we can have a follow-up conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.